Welcome to the Latin Tutor Podcast. If your child is struggling in Latin, then look no further. My name is Emma Williams, and I'm here with practical tips and strategies to help you to help your child. Or maybe you're a teacher, wondering about the best approaches to the trickiest concepts in this unforgiving subject. With my 21 years as a teacher of Latin, as well as a private tutor, I've got a lot of experience to share with you. So if you're ready, incipiamus, let's begin. So yeah, that's that's what I'm you know in the back of my mind thinking about. You just talked yourself into writing a new course. You do. I just that. did, didn't I? Well done, Rianne. <laughs> Rianne Rivers is a teacher and an independent author who wrote the booklet-based ab initio course for Latin at Common Entrance called "Who Said Latin's Dead." In Rianne's own words, I wanted to combine all the best elements of what's currently out there. I wanted the rigour of the more traditional courses, but I also wanted the narrative element of the Cambridge Latin course. What's different about Rianne's course is the element of time travel. Students travel with their fictional classmates, Guy and Olivia, who are also studying Latin and are transported back to Roman times. What an amazing idea for younger children. I had a lovely chat with Rianne, whose passion for the subject and for teaching, not to mention a serious tendency towards overwork, shine through from the very start of the interview. For the uninitiated, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about the course and why you wrote it, because maybe not everyone has has heard of who said Latin's dead. Sure. I mean, I'm sure lots of people haven't heard of it. I only wrote it with the intention of using it for my own classes. My first school, I was using the Cambridge Latin course. In prep school, it's not ideal. When I was preparing children for common entrance, you know, my main feeling about it was as much as I love the storyline, the grammar is is too chaotic. It's It's not formal enough. And that's what the children are really being tested on at that level. So I knew that I needed something else. And the other things that I looked at, the other courses that were available, I just, I didn't feel like they suited me. They didn't suit my style. So I thought, well, why don't I take the best bits of what's out there, which was, you know, the the story element, the narrative element of the Cambridge Latin course, because I knew that that was always such a winner, like everybody loves it. But then with the kind of formal, repetitive, building up slowly grammar element of the other courses, uh, without the because I always found that they was so technical and they use all the technical language and I and I know that especially the younger children or the children who you know find found Latin really difficult was so put off by all the you know declensions and conjugations and so I thought right I'm just going to write something that is cartoon based it has a story it makes everything sound like it's really accessible it's really easy the the school that I trialed it at was Dulwich Prep London and they still call them booklets because that's what they were when I started writing them they were just these booklets that I printed off at school I had a friend who was an illustrator Tom Humberston so he uh, did the illustrations for me for uh, mates rates and it had a format but it was very low-key to be honest I don't even remember how it went from I don't know if someone got wind of it and was like you should try selling this but there was this in 2016 um, was the point that I thought, okay, well, it, you know, after I trialed it for a few years, I developed it so it covered all of not just level one as it was in the beginning, but all the way up to level three. And I thought, you know what, people might want this. So I will make it available online, which I did. Um, I didn't expect 
quite so many people to want it. Um, and <laughs> it's been really lovely. But you know, I'm I'm a terrible entrepreneur, like I don't do any work to try and like publicize it or anything. It's just, you know, people chat at conferences, I, I've got a few customers who've used the books for a lot, you know, for almost as long as they've been available and they just sort of go around telling everyone how great they are which I really appreciate very much <laughs> because I don't have time you know it's it's a course for anyone starting Latin from the beginning it is in a logical order it has a story about that involves time traveling and yeah it, it's evolved over the years to incorporate obviously we had the uh, syllabus change quite recently so that involved a lot of rewriting on my part which was fine I, th- I do think it's made the course better but yeah I think I'm, I'm getting to a point now where I might have to put it down um <laughs> and and uh, and leave it be but I've still got level three to revise so that's going to be next summer and then it's done gosh one of the things I like most about the course is that idea of the time travel and so the students are traveling with their peers really aren't they so there's some characters that represent classmates do they feel like they're actually members of the class these characters that they read about they like uh, olivia's sassiness they they often like interpret her as being very mean and you know i like wanted to play with the gender roles a little bit because actually in the very first um iteration of the course it was two boys because i taught in a boys school and it didn't even occur to me as i said that i was that anyone else would want it so it was these two boys and the, the kids at Dulwich Prep had to suffer like the death of this character when I replaced him with a girl. Um, so that was that was very amusing. Yeah, it's fun. It's good fun. Do you know how many schools are using them? I've had probably 40 or 50 schools buy them at some point in the last eight years. Whether they're still using them is another matter. I also have like these really random experiences where so I turn up at the school that I'm currently working at and they have copies of like my original booklets and I'm thinking where did you get these because I I wasn't selling these I don't know where you know because people share resources don't they I've also had really fun experiences where I've turned like I was at a job interview a few years ago where uh, I was using a, a page out of the book that I photocopied and there was a and this kid immediately put his hand up and he was like I know this book the headmaster and the, the deputies were just sitting there like did you set this up? And I'm like, absolutely <laughs> not. So the kid had an older brother who was using it at, the, at his school and it was really funny. So I was like, oh, yay, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, they're designed for children, they're workbooks. And I could, honestly, I could never go back to textbooks now. The idea of having to like write the date and write the title and underline it and write the exercise number and find the right page. And mm. you know, when you're marking and you've got to, it's just so, yeah, I have to yeah. have them. And again, you, you you were ahead of your time because there's so many state schools now. There's been a big shift towards booklets in, in state schools. Huge. Has That's interesting. Absolutely huge. Um, for so many reasons, some of which you've already expressed. Great for cover work. You know, the kids know where they are in the booklet. So it's so much easier for the, a teacher who's unwell to set them something meaningful to do from the mm-hmm. booklet. Oh, I think there's a million, a million advantages. But you, I'm sure... I remember you mentioning to me that that's what put publishers off. Yeah, it was that. It was, I think, yeah, they, firstly, the the publishers that I spoke to, because that was my my initial, you know, when I realised that it might be helpful for people to have access to the, the course if they wanted to use it, I thought, well, what do you do? You go to a publisher. So I went to a few publishers and they all said the same thing, which was that no one is, it's not cost effective. Nobody wants to, no one's going to buy them. No one's going to buy workbooks. 
And so it was, well, you're going to have to change it to a textbook. And I sort of thought, absolutely not. That's mm. that's that's why I wrote them was for it to be something different. So if that involves it changing and I um, was lucky enough to to meet and spend a day with Bob Bass at, um, down in Ipswich and he was like, just don't let them go near it. Just do your own thing. He said, do you think I honestly set out to write a book called Practice Exercises Level 3? Touche. <laughs> I understand. Okay, fine. I will just. So do... Bob actually had a really exciting, sexy title for that book, did he? And, and they overwrote him. Um, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, he was. He just said, you know, that's the cost of getting it published in the mainstream is that they will take your individualism out of it and they will make it whatever it is that they need that they think that schools need. Mm. Um, so you know, he was just really making me aware of what you know what what the choices were and. So that felt like a big kind of encouragement to, yeah, just to do my own thing. So I made the website and um, the kids at the school that I was currently at um, helped me make a video, which is still on there. It's very outdated now. <laughs> I haven't the resources or time to make another one. And yeah, and just and just made it available online. A lot of people buy the PDF and I'd be so fascinated as to how they use them, whether they print out pages and stick them in, whether they print booklets themselves. Well, I have no clue. No clue. Would love to know <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone wants to give me any feedback. So schools can buy an electronic license and that allows them to print forever? Is that how it Yeah, works? that's the, that's the most popular version. I think I've got maybe up to 10 schools that order the workbooks on a regular basis. And then I send that off to the printing company and they send them directly to the schools. And I do that once a year. But I have lots of schools in the meantime that will inquire and will just want, you know, all of level one or even just one of them sometimes, depending on their needs. And yeah, I've I've, I've no idea what they do with them, but the printing license enables them. I mean, it was particularly helpful during the pandemic when we were teaching online because I, you know, decided that the terms of the printing license meant that the PDFs could be shared on any learning online learning platform. Um, and that was, I think, super helpful for people. You're listening to the Latin Tutor Podcast. Stay tuned to hear more from Rianne, who can be reached via their website, whosaidlatinsdead.com. If you're interested in finding out more, the website contains a video and sample pages from the course. If you'd like to get in touch with me, my website is latintutoring.co.uk. But now, back to Rianne, who is, of course, a prep school teacher, whereas my career has been in secondary state schools. So our conversation turned to the striking and sometimes puzzling differences between these two very different systems. It was when I realised what prep schools were teaching 10-year-olds. Some of this stuff was stuff I was protecting my year 11s from, going, well, they'll find that a bit hard. I better, you know, dumb that down a bit. And you think, hang on. If 10-year-olds yeah. can cope with this, then what, what, what that, am I messing about? It's such a fascinating point because, in actual fact, 10-year-olds mostly can't cope with it. And I think it's really interesting that the way that the Common Entrance course has been structured, you know, developmentally, because so because these concepts are so abstract, they're not the way that modern languages are taught really anymore. No. Um, and we don't teach English in this way. We don't talk about the grammar in the same way. So really... But, but children don't developmentally don't have just can't understand these abstract concepts. So there are 
some super bright kids who will get it in year six, maybe even in year five. There are some kids who aren't going to get it until the, until later on. And it seems, I really feel strongly that it should be accessible. And that's one of the things that I that I find is is makes it inaccessible to to pupils for like absolutely no fault of their own. Even if they don't understand it in year six or year seven, that doesn't mean they won't understand it in year eight. But because of where you have to get to in common entrance, there's already this enormous gap between the children that get it in year six and the children that don't get it until year eight or even year nine. And it's got nothing to do with intelligence. Um, and it's got nothing to do with hard work or memory or any of those things. It's really a, de- a developmental um, clicking into place of abstract concepts that from the outside what's puzzled me most about the whole system is the desire to push students beyond level two I literally see level two as the ceiling as to where one should take them in in prep school because firstly that's really interesting what you say about developmentally you feel a lot of them simply aren't ready for it of course I presume those that do get pushed on to level three are the ones that are considered are ready for it Mm -hmm. but then what happens when they go to their senior school most schools just start again I've had so many tutees where they start at the beginning of Taylor and Cullen and these kids have done scholarship and they're now on chapter one of book one of the ab initio course and they get so bored and actually I, I spoke to one of mine the other day and he said I feel my Latin has declined because He's so bored that he switched off from it. So that's really sad. Yeah, it is. It, it and and so I just think, well, what on earth is the point of pushing them on yeah. that level? And certainly scholarship level, it's it's virtually GCSE, if not exactly GCSE. It's, yeah. it's you know certainly I, for a couple I mean, of schools that set their own papers. That that yeah. I would say that Eton scholarship is beyond GCSE. Yeah, Winchester election. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of out of the game now because I'm, as I said, I'm only teaching you know year five and year six, one lesson a week. But my memory, kids would say they would report they go on into year nine and they've got nothing to do. I mean, some schools get around it by doing ancient Greek then. So if they yes. haven't done ancient Greek before and sort of and, and then prioritizing that for a few years, I know Tunbridge do that really well. But for the most part, that is, you know, the, the story that they tell is they go on and in year nine, everyone, everyone's way behind where they are. And they're like, there was no need for them to have done all of this so fast. Yes, I, I, I agree. It's it's absolutely bizarre. I mean, yes, there are a handful of schools, I think, that do it well, like you say. But in my experience, the majority simply don't and these children are just left to to flounder and get bored and and they, yes. what, what, what was the point of that then whereas I think level two for me is the absolute ideal it gives them a real grounding in the mm-hmm. basics you know they've got their three declensions you've got your your main tense endings and just ha- yeah. keep hammering those that's a mm. fantastic entry into secondary and then GCSE but to to push them on to ablative absolute and the indirect statement it's just wild isn't it only to then start again I find I I, I, it never ceases to amaze me how bizarre it is well it's just not joined up thinking and and that's the strange thing isn't it like with all these secondary schools they're all setting these different exams and you're just thinking can you all talk to each other and just Mm. come up with a plan that makes sense yes and when I think what's happened in the state sector with a big shift towards the through curriculum you know there's a reason we call it reception up to year 13 now where that was Mm. just that language change was trying to get teachers to see the curriculum as a complete continuum from 
entering the very beginning of primary school up to the end of sixth form. And that's the ideal that you see that curriculum going all the way through. And even so, when students shift schools, that is always a bit of a hiccup and there is some repetition, but nothing like what I've seen. And then in the independent sector, it's bizarre. Yeah. So your next plan is to prepare the level three rewrite. Is, Is that what you said? Yes. So at the moment, there's a kind of there's been a bit there's been a gap because what I was originally doing was setting out to write an express. So the express edition is really for schools on shorter timetables um, where they just because in the original edition, there were three translations or comprehensions per chapter and people just were not getting through them. And I certainly wasn't getting through them myself. So I set out to make a condensed version. I actually kind of feel like the condensed version, the express version is better just because the story moves more quickly. Like there was a lot of filler in that original edition. So mm-hmm. the Express edition is the same, it's the same content, same grammar, same vocabulary, just one one story per chapter. So the whole thing moves along a lot more quickly. But in the middle of doing that, so I'd done level one, I'd done level two, and then that's when ICB changed the syllabus. And I thought, oh, well, now I've got to do that. That's more urgent. So I went back and re-revised because they, they made changes like um, taking vocabulary out putting new vocabulary in which is not just a case of you know take them out of the vocabulary list that they're a part of like each all the words are woven through the books to try and you know make sure that the children have exposure to them so that was a big job and then with level two there's a lot of grammar that's shifted from level two to level three and level three some of the grammar has has shifted out so so I've done level one, I've done level two, but poor old neglected level three, mostly because I don't think that many people use it, to be completely honest. But level three mm. is just like the last thing that I need to do. So I need to, yeah, make it make it in, in sync with the other express edition. And how, I, I think the changes are a good move. They make it all of it more accessible and mm. um, in, easier to get through. And like we said, that, you know, leaves leaves some stuff for GCSE, which I think is, is how it should be. But yeah, it just involves um, involves a lot of rewriting of, mm. of things. But you know, once it's done, I think I will be happy to leave it as is. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what what I really want to do next. The other thing about, as you observed at the beginning, I'm not one to sit still. I mean, I've always found the summer holidays a real challenge. You know, I I um i am autistic so i love routine like routine is what i need so you know i love my timetable i love knowing what i'm doing so that you know this sort of six to eight week void in the middle of the year i've always found so difficult so having the book to work on has been sort of you know kept me feeling productive and purposeful and sane really during the during the summer so i will need to replace it with something else but it's okay because summer 2023 is level three and then I will <laughs> decide on my next project. Well, maybe your next focus could be, okay, now I've written them all and my new focus is is marketing and promotion. Maybe the following summer you should have a massive campaign to start getting it into more schools because I think it's fantastic. Thank you. That's really kind. I appreciate it very <laughs> much. It's just, one of, it's just so mind-boggling to me because, as I said, I didn't, you know, it was never – I never had any uh, intentions – of, of of writing a textbook or a course or anything like that it was really just you know I I feel like making resources was always my strong point as a teacher um it took me quite a while to learn that you know delivery is actually quite important <laughs> I just turn up 
on my like PGC with like these like beautiful worksheets that I spent ages on and then be like I have not thought about what I'm going to say or how I'm going to explain any of it but I was like but look look at the lovely sheets I made so I feel I was like, really similar actually really, really similar like that it was always <laughs> my comfort blanket if, if I've got enough bits of paper to throw at them it'll be fine it it was just me doing the thing that I do to make the resource that I felt that the, my children needed and that was the best thing for me to teach with it did never in a million years occur to me that anyone else might like to use it so yeah it's been uh it's just been really fun and unexpected and it's uh wonderful so I, I just honestly think the idea of of you know marrying this up with with the rigor of common entrance it's it's the dream really isn't it to have that the, the excitement of the stories they do it why won't they do it because <laughs> I don't it know. Just, is it not just really, it just seems really obvious to me as the thing that needs doing. And yet I feel like every new thing that comes out, it's just another iteration of either one or the other. It's mm. it's either another practice exercises with some random translations in it, or it's a story book that's really fun and has loads of cool cartoons and stuff, but the grammar is just all over the shop. Yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, in in a weird sort of way, I don't know how much you've looked at it because of the sector you're in, but the Taylor and Cullen, mm-hmm. the way it's presented is incredibly dry, and it's very it is very grammar heavy, and they certainly don't stint on the technical terms. But there is a narrative <laughs> that goes through from oh, the very beginning, and um, I mean, it's it's the narrative of the Trojan War, and mm. but it, it, in a sense, it's a sort of slightly more grown-up version if it had been maybe presented differently it might have won over more of your reading course advocates if it hadn't been presented again publisher you know I I suspect and it's it's also they crammed a lot onto a page and I know that's about money um it's got they forced Mm. it into two volumes when it's GCSE ab initio so that that's a hell of a lot to get into two books um so I think the presentation lets it down in that sense but actually there's there is a narrative that that runs through it so if schools I do know some secondary schools that start it in year nine and literally do it as an ab initio course from the beginning and and it does all hang together with the ancient stories and, and so it is quite nice but it does look so dry and it is so hardcore on the grammatical terms yeah, I mean, one of the things I my personal laments is that the workbooks are expensive to print, mm. and I do think that that because most schools, you know, classics budget is usually very small. Yeah. So when I'm saying you're going to need to spend in the region of one to two thousand pounds a year to have all of these printed for all of your students, that's an awful lot to ask. Like, mm. so yeah I wish I wish there was a way of well I suppose the way is for people to print them in house but then they don't look as nice and they're not as like structurally sound <laughs> no but, yeah and that does that make would a be difference. yeah it does make a difference so I would love I would love to find find a way but you know if anything prices have gone up um mm. and actually I didn't really put my prices up this year and I probably should have done so yeah well it's the weird thing you know while the cost of the electronic processes go down and down and down printing seems to be going up and up and up yeah it really and does it's, yeah it's it's really so maybe tricky. the publishers were right but even so I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns you know <laughs> I I they work for me I think to be honest something that's also been really interesting so the school that I work at is an inquiry school which is so the curriculum is based on kind of deep thinking and 
embedding skills and process rather than knowledge and you know and, and facts and that has really clashed with the way that I teach Latin and the two things it's very hard to um yeah to to marry the two things together or to teach Latin in an inquiry mindset way and but I still feel like it's a bit of a cop-out for me all the time to be like well I'm just going to teach Latin the way that I teach it because it goes with my book that I wrote and I love teaching it this way <laughs> So it has made me think that maybe actually the next thing is that I need to think about how and whether it's even possible, whether it's worthwhile, not possible, of course it's possible, but like whether it's worthwhile teaching Latin in a thinking skills, inquiry, question-led, student-led kind of a way. And if so, what that would look like, because I feel like this, you know, that's really what the school is asking. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm you know, in the back of my mind thinking about. You just talked yourself into writing a new course. You do I just that. did, didn't I? Well done, Rianne. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, that's summer 2024. <laughs> there we go. You were worried about it. So. <laughs> I solved my own problem. You've been listening to the Latin Tutor podcast. Do join me again as I have more guests to come in what remains of season two. Huge thanks to Rianne Rivers for being such a delightful guest. Do check out their website to find out more about Who Said Latin's Dead. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you'll find all my contact details on my website, which is latintutoring.co.uk. Don't all rush at once.